Father, we love you so much. And what a blessing it is to be able to praise you. Father, we have so much to be thankful for. And we know that it all comes from you. May we be the people that you've called us to be. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Well, we've all had that experience. How many of you are hungry right now? Raise your hand. You give me about 30 minutes, and then however long it takes to bring the service to an end, you'll get to go to lunch, okay? But we've all had this experience. We've eaten that big meal, and I mean we are stuffed, and about 9, 10 o'clock we're in our Lazy Boy, we're watching TV, and all these commercials pop up, and all of a sudden we see this. We see the late night after 8 shake, half price, from Sonic, and we're ready to go, right? Or then you see Taco Bell, eh, I pass on that. Hope nobody works at Taco Bell here. Arby's, those greasy French fries, oh. Jack in the Box, those great salads from there. Waterburger, the patty melt. Can I get an amen on the patty melt? Or Slotsky's, pizza, soup, the great sandwiches. And then you have, I can take or leave McDonald's, Burger King too, Popeye's, great chicken, right? And, and then so we, we see those and then we're hungry again, right? And then maybe you get out and maybe you go to one of those fast food places and you get more food. And then what happens? Are we ever satisfied? I mean, we go from one meal to the next and we think, man, this is, if this is my last meal on earth, this is going to be good, right? Only to wake up the next morning and it's time to eat again and start our day. We love to think about the next meal, don't we? Well, I want you to turn to John chapter 6 this morning, and I want you to find verse 35, and we're going to begin reading there in just a few moments. This morning, we are beginning a new series of messages that I've entitled, Seven, the seven I am sayings of Jesus. And so over the next seven weeks, we're going to be diving into John's gospel and we're going to see that in each one of these I am statements, he is revealing something important about the nature of Jesus or about his character or his mission. And he does that by declaring that I am something. And so what follows these sayings reveals something to us about the Savior. And they're so important that John highlights these and he wants us as his children and us as his readers that when we come across these, that it's more than just another miracle or it's more than just a saying, but these sayings 
point us to something fabulous about Jesus. Because think about it. Anything that has to do with the mission of Jesus or his character or his nature, that is his way of inviting us to have those things come and be a part of our lives. Now, if you go back to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, I am is a reference to the name by which God revealed himself to Moses as Yahweh. And you remember there, he says, I am that I am. And so he's revealing something of his character and his person that he wants us to catch hold of. Now, in saying I am, Jesus declares his divinity and he also declares the oneness that he has with the Father. And so it's no coincidence that John emphasizes these I am statements. And I want you to look in John chapter 20, verse 31. And this is kind of the climax in John's gospel of what he wants us to know. Let's read this verse together. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so there in about verse 25, running down through verse 71, you see a rather lengthy dialogue between Jesus and his hearers. And so as we take a peek into that conversation, we begin to realize their motives for pursuing Jesus weren't out of spiritual hunger as much as a physical sense. But even with that, we look into their life, we look into this conversation, and we begin to see that Jesus goes ahead and he lets them be who they want to be, but he takes them where he wants them. Do you see that? He doesn't allow them to stay on the physical side. He takes them where they need to be. And church, listen to me this morning. I don't know where you are in your relationship with Jesus, but I do know this. Wherever you find yourself, I pray that you will never just be satisfied right there. I pray that you will always want to pursue more and more of our Savior. Because as we pursue Him, we grow deeper and we gain a deeper, not just knowledge, but we gain a deeper sense of what it really means to be a disciple of the one who gave his life for us. In every one of these statements, what we will see is this. Jesus wants us to receive him. And he wants us to receive him not for the gifts that he can give, but for all that he can be in our life it's one thing to have a gift it's another thing to be all that we can be in our relationship with him and that's what he's revealing to us in these statements now mike read for us earlier starting in verse 25 i want you to go back and notice something in verse 26 jesus answers i tell you the truth 
you're looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. So let me ask you this this morning. Is it possible to look for Jesus and be looking for him for all the wrong reasons? Obvious. We see the example here. Do we ever struggle with that? I mean, we're on a journey. We're on a quest. But could it be that on this journey, maybe, we're, maybe we have selfish motives? Maybe we have all these selfish desires, and maybe we're just searching and seeking out for Jesus in something more than he can just give us, and we fail to miss the true Jesus. You see, for John... What's important for John and his readers is to see this. You need to look beyond the signs. And when you look beyond the signs, you need to make sure that you don't just see the punchline and get that. You need to see Jesus. But look how often it is so easy to read all these stories about Jesus and yet we miss them all together. We miss what the point is. We miss what he's trying to say to us as his children. Now, you see a very close parallel. One of my favorite sections in John has to do with chapter 4. Turn back a few pages to chapter 4, and I want you to look in verse 13. Because I want you to see this parallel between the bread of life dialogue that we're going to see and the dialogue that Jesus finds himself in with the woman at the well. In verse 13 of chapter 4, Jesus answers and he says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. I mean, she was used to going to the well. She was used to having her water. But she was always used to going back at the same time, day in and day out, and not receiving her fill. She's always thirsty. She's always hungry for more. And so Jesus says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so if you stop and think about it, the living water that's quenching the thirst eternally there corresponds to what we're about to read with this bread of life and just as that water quenches the thirst, Jesus drives home a point here that this bread of life, I am the bread of life, he says this will quench, this is going to take care of your hunger. And so those parallels go side by side. And so look beginning in verse 35. After they say, from now on give us this bread, then Jesus makes the great declaration. And he says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me. I want you to remember that. But raise them up 
at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son, that's Jesus, and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Well, at this, the Jews began to grumble about Him because He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? I mean, how can he now say, I came down from heaven? Putting all this doubt out there, right? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. And everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. And no one who has seen the Father except the one who is from God, only he has seen the Father. And I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. Big difference. And he has to bring that difference out for him. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live, what's the word, church? Forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And then the Jews, after they heard that saying, they began to argue sharply among themselves. They go from arguing to the crowd to arguing amongst themselves, how can this man give us this flesh to eat? Again, just another question of doubt. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is the real food and my blood is real drink. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died. But he who feeds on this bread will live forever. And he said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Do you see that? Do you see what's happening here in this chapter? The crowd has so many expectations of who they think Jesus is. They have so many expectations of what they think Jesus can do and what they think he can offer them. But do you see what happens? John 6 tells us they grumbled, they mumbled, they argued, they whined, and ultimately they left in droves. And what you begin to see is the kind of folks that he's talking about here are materialistic people. And they couldn't stomach it when Jesus shifted from physical food to spiritual talk. Because all that's on their mind is the physical aspect of it. And so when he turns the table and tries to make it a spiritual conversation, they don't know what to do with it. And you know what? We're not much different because a lot of times we can go from talking about 
everything under the sun, and oh, by the way, we are always fine, right? To spiritual conversations, and sometimes the conversations just kind of fade out because we don't know what to do. We don't know how to stay with it because we're not tuned in like we need to be. That's the hand of Satan. That's the voice of Satan. That's his voice trying to one-up us and trying to get us in our minds to think that we don't need to talk and think the way of Jesus. And so the arguing comes, the mumbling comes, all of that. And for John, it doesn't matter how many signs you see, you're never going to be satisfied. You're going to always want another sign. And that's why Jesus over and over again says, I am the true bread. I am the living bread. And when you come to me, you're never going to be hungry. I'm the one that can take care of all of that. And so instead of a quick fix, what does Jesus offer? Jesus offers something of value. He offers something that matters eternally. He offers us something that will matter every day of our life, and it will never go away because it's from Jesus. My question is, do we recognize it that way? Do we recognize it being the true bread that he's offering us? Or do we just see it as another quick fix and we just go on with life? Jesus has just offered tremendous promises to a crowd that is spiritually dull and even unbelieving but he assures them, as well as us, that not all will disbelieve. There will be people that the Father sends who will believe and will continue to abide with him forevermore. And if you look down there about verse 37 through about verse 40, here's a point that I think John makes in his gospel this isn't about the workers in the harvest. It's the Father's harvest, and He will not fail to bring it in. I love that part of the story. It's the Father's harvest. So, who are we? What are we to do? Well, we just sang about it. We are His laborers in what? In his vineyard. It's not up to us to bring the harvest in. It's not about us to bring it in. It's about the Father. It's about his Son. And it's about his will being accomplished. And what Jesus says is, I'm not only responsible for that, but I'm going to see to it that fruit comes. I'm going to see to it that it happens in the way that I think it should happen. 
And from that point, you know what we have to do as his children? We have to follow. And we have to listen. And we have to obey. And when Jesus delivers the good news and he says, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me, well, what's stopping us from coming closer to Jesus? What is it in your life right now that's the roadblock? What is it that's causing you to not be able to get to Jesus? And will we, at any cost, remove it? Because not until it's removed will we be as close to Him as we need to be. Ouch. That's the tough part, isn't it? But you know the good news? You're not strong enough or powerful enough to move it on your own. But when you come to Jesus and He knows that that's where you want to be, right there with Him, He has the power to resurrect it. He has the power to get it all out of the way so you can get closer and closer to Him. And so, I want you to forget a moment for your, about your present hunger and whether more food or more signs or whatever will take care of that. And I want you to notice something here. The only way to make this happen is to focus on Jesus and believe in Him. And so, what He invites us to do is this. Focus on me. Believe in me. Come to me. That's how you get eternal life. What are we focused on? What are we believing in? And so again, we see that miracles have little value unless they point us to Jesus. And you see, what we see here in this text is this. They wanted more from Jesus rather than more of Jesus. And there's a big difference. When you're wanting something from somebody, it's just so you can gather information and gather all these facts and gather all these details. Folks, listen, we don't need more facts about Jesus, do we? We know all of that. We need more of Him. So what are you hungry for? What are you striving for? And what are we as a church hungry for? I mean, obviously, our goal every day should be to find ways that we can connect deeper with the Savior, right? That's what we're going to see in these statements. But sometimes what that means is that you've got to get roadblocks out of the way so you can go deeper sometimes that means you've got to go through whatever satan may have have up in front of you who knows what that is it's different for all of us 
But if we're going to focus on Him and come to Him and believe in Him, those things have to be removed so He can have 100% of our heart and our life. Because again, when He has that, He has it all. And so some truths to claim. The bread of life is a person. The bread of life has power. And the bread of life has promises that will last, not just for a temporary time, but it has promises that will last forever. As World War II was coming to a close, the Allied armies gathered up all the hungry orphans, and they were placed in camps where they were well-fed. I mean, they were taken care of. They had food, they had shelter, they had clothing, they had all that they needed. But when they would lie down at night and try to go to sleep, they noticed that they were very nervous and that they had a hard time drifting off to that deep sleep. And so finally, a psychologist came up with a solution, and he says each child needs to have a piece of bread to hold when he goes to bed. Because that particular piece of bread at that point was just to be held, not eaten. But you see what it did for the kids as they would hold that bread, they would fall off to sleep and sleep all night because it helped them realize that they were going to be taken care of. From a physical standpoint, they weren't going to go hungry. And so in their life, going from a stage where they didn't know where food was going to come from to this orphanage taking care of them and loving them and feeding them the way that they should, the psychologist says when they're holding on to that piece of bread, they're going to know in their minds we have something to eat at our next meal and they would go into a sleep that's amazing to see that it's amazing to see that sometimes from a physical standpoint what can take care of us Jesus says I can go deeper than that and I can take care of it on a spiritual matter and I can take care of it in such a way that you'll never be hungry or thirsty again. But it's only because it came from Jesus. And so this morning, as we've taken a peek into this dialogue, as we've taken a peek into this conversation, you see people all over the map. You see people struggling, asking questions. You see all of that. But through all that conversation, you hear the voice of the one who died for you that says, when you come to me, you will never go hungry again. What will you do with Jesus? I think that's the question that was posed then. I think it's the one that has to be asked right now. What will you do with Jesus? And how you answer that 
will make all the difference in your life. There may be some here this morning, you've never given your life over to the King of kings and Lord of lords. And you're ready to come this morning confessing that great name and be buried with him in the waters of baptism. Some are just here and you know that and you believe in Jesus, but you're really struggling with life. And you're really struggling with getting closer to him. You've got people here that love you, that will pray for you, that will encourage you every step of the way. And so this morning as we sing this song, think about where you are spiritually. And this week, may that question come up over and over. What will I do with Jesus? Let's stand as we sing this song. <laughs>